I, I don't think about it until you know until you bring it up to tell you the truth <laughs> but uh, yeah I have been around a long time and I've seen I mean some great players and hopefully I've had a positive effect on on folks hopefully yeah no that, that's pretty cool from Karen Satchel Page's fishing poles yeah. to lifting up a championship <laughs> trophy that's, that's pretty right. doggone special man One of the oftentimes overlooked aspect of the Negro Leagues was the brilliance of those who managed and who led Negro League franchises. The focus has oftentimes been on the field, and quite frankly, that was Major League Baseball's focus was bringing in as much of that star talent out of the Negro Leagues to play the game. But those who understood the game, those who managed the game, they really did not get the same opportunity. And let me tell you, there were great baseball minds in the Negro Leagues. They understood the game They understood how to relate to their players. And ultimately, they brought out the very best in their players and, of course, in retrospect, their teams. Sadly, they did not transition. That has been part of the issue at hand as we continue to try and make sure that baseball is as represented in all aspects of its operations And while a big focus has been on the field even today, let us not forget about the great minds who could have impacted this game in ways in which we saw happen on the field. I go back and I think about the fact that Buck O'Neill will become the major's first black coach in 1962, 15 years after Jackie Robinson breaks the color barrier, the majors get their first black coach in Buck O'Neill. And as I've said on this program, Buck O'Neill was extremely proud of being the first. But as Buck would say, he wished he had been the 999,000 black man to be a coach in Major League Baseball. Indeed, in 1962, The Chicago Cubs hired Buck O'Neill to their coaching staff, but despite eight seasons at the helm of the Kansas City Monarchs and three league championships, he was never officially assigned in-game base coaching duties, nor was Buck included in the Cubs College of Coaches or Coaches Council System, which was an ill-fated experiment in the early 60s wherein the managerial duties of the Cubs were shared between four coaches, between everyone but Buck. The late Hall of Famer Buck O'Neill tells the story with Dr. Ray Doswell at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Yeah, well, and this was doing the, Mr. Wrigley said, uh, well, and they had so much trouble that the fans were on the managers. So he said, I'm going to, I'm going to get a four or five managers. That's when he, he come up to the coaches council, they call it. So they had uh, four guys on there going to manage the team, but we had five coaches. 
See, so all of the everybody was a coach until that time was to manage. I didn't I didn't get to manage. Mm -hmm. See, but that's the way that happened, and it, and it didn't last for a couple of years because uh, it wasn't a good idea. Right. No way, because you know everybody have their different idea how they want to manage the ball club. So it right. was actually mayhem for the ball player. Because they're going along in a month, the next month, here's another guy. He want to put his ideas in. So there was, was there, there was never an instance where you got to be in charge, like they might get kicked out of a game? Or yeah, something? well, and one thing, well, the thing what happened, see, we were in Houston, and uh, Luke Klein was the manager. He was managing this time. He got kicked out the ball game. After he got picked out, Vita Hemsel managed. They kicked Vita Hemsel out. And, and earning them on the bench, saying, well, Buck gonna get a chance to manage now. Buck gonna get a chance to manage this team now. But no, they called a guy from down in the bullpen, the pitching coach, Fred Martin, come to, to manage the team and, and, and to coach on third base instead of me, you know, to let me do it. And uh, the guy told me later, and I said, you know why they didn't let you go there? Charlie Graham, who was uh, the assistant to the president, said, don't, don't you ever let Buck coach on that third base line because if you do, some of you guys going to lose your job because he's going to have that job forever. So <laughs> this is why. Uh -huh. So yeah, he was proud of this honor or what he represented being the first. But he also said, I knew I couldn't stick out my chest because I knew all of these other great black minds who were more than capable of waving a guy home. And that's the transitioning or lack thereof that we're talking about. So for me, I am thrilled that we get a chance to share with you on this platform a few of those great black minds that you should know something about and perhaps you don't. And we've talked about the brilliance of Rube Foster, the man who is that rare baseball commodity who would have checked the box as a Hall of Famer as a player, as a manager, and as an executive. And you don't find many that check all three boxes. We've talked about my late friend, Buck O'Neill, whom George Altman, who had a wonderful major league career, still says to this day that Buck O'Neill was the greatest manager he ever played for. So we've talked about Buck. We've talked about Rube Foster. But now we get a chance to talk about a couple of other names that maybe you have, but likely have not heard. One of them was Vic Harris. Vic Harris, a near miss in the Baseball Hall of Fame class of 2022, falling short by two votes, but with better credentials than most of the building. A compact-bodied outfielder with a sweet left-handed swing and a historic mean streak, Harris grew up in Pittsburgh and spent parts of 23 seasons with the local Homestead squad. Some as a player, some as a manager, some as a player manager, and many as a champion. As a manager, Harris was known to be a master motivator. Quiet, confident, and stern, yet inspirational. But as a player, Vic Harris was just downright nasty. He earned a reputation as one of the four big bad men of black baseball. He was good with his fists and was quick to use them. Legend has it that once when the team was traveling by automobile 
and a player in the car that Harris was driving engaged in verbal comments that Harris found offensive, he stopped the car, pulled the player out of the car, and physically whipped him on the spot. He was considered by many to be a feared base runner and even a dirty ball player, even once spitting in an umpire's face during an argument. But don't let that overshadow the fact Vic Harris was a Hall of Fame talent as both a manager and a player. And his name, of course, was Elander Victor Harris, or Vic Harris, as he was known by a lot of his teammates. And of course, Vicious Vic Harris, as his nickname would indicate that he played the game in a very tenacious way and he managed with that same tenacious style. Yeah, no, he was one that ruled with an iron fist and his players certainly seemed to respond to not only that managerial style, disciplinarian uh, in the way that he controlled and managed the game and the expectations that he had for his ball players to perform at a certain level, but also the fact that he was an astute baseball mind. And so Vic Harris is that great player who would also become a great manager. And when I look at Major League Baseball, you don't see that too often. Although, again, I think it was fairly commonplace in the Negro Leagues where the great players became great managers. Not as much, I don't think, in the Major Leagues because most of those great managers are the guys who saw the game from the bench. Satchel Page would not have been a great manager. Satchel tried to be a pitching coach. And Satchel's philosophy on pitching was just take the ball, throw it across home plate, it don't move. Well, that didn't work for a whole lot of guys. It was a little bit more than just take it and throw it where you want to throw it. See, that was something that Satchel could do, but not the other guys. And for in the minds of Satchel, everyone should have been able to do what he did. And I think that's part of the reason why the great ones don't become great managers. But in the Negro Leagues, it was a little bit different. Vic Harris was that great player who also became a great manager. Try this on for size. Vic Harris managed the Grays during their years of league play between 35 and 48 and piloted the Homestead Grays to eight pennants. He guided his team to six consecutive first place finishes from 1937 through 1942, they won five pennants over that time. And of course, in 42, our Kansas City Monarchs knocked them off. And we've shared that story of that 42 season, Buck O'Neill's favorite team, that 42 team that swept the powerful Homestead Grays four games to nothing to claim the 1942 Negro League World Series and momentarily derail the Grays from that tremendous streak that they were on. Vic Harris was working in a defense plant in 1942. Perhaps that may have had something to do while our monarchs were able to knock him off. He worked in that defense plant and then two years later would come back to take over the reign of the great Homestead Grays and, and then lead them to a pair of World Series championships. As a player, we talked about the fact that he played in six East-West All-Star games. 
between 1933 and 1947. So he was also playing and managing at the same time. He managed the East-West team, well, he managed the East team in the East-West All-Star game eight times. That's four more times than Hall of Famer Oscar Charleston. He was the winning manager of the very last Negro League World Series in 1948 when Vic Harris' team beat the Birmingham Black Barons. Who was on that Birmingham Black Barons team? A young Willie Mays patrolling center field for the Birmingham Black Barons and Vic Harris's Homestead Grays team knocked them off to win a World Series. And so we were looking at some interesting comparisons as we try and look at the echelon of what would be considered great managers in Major League Baseball. Tommy Lasorda, who I had the tremendous honor of knowing and just a brilliant baseball personality, great baseball mind, won two championships. His overall winning percentage, 526. Earl Weaver won one championship with the Baltimore Orioles as a manager. His winning percentage, 583. The legendary Whitey Herzog won one championship, winning percentage, 532. Miller Huggins won three championships, lifetime winning percentage of 555. Leo DeRocher won a championship, 540 winning percentage. All of them are in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Vic Harris had a winning percentage, y'all, of 663, 547, and 278. He has the highest percentage among managers who ever managed at least 500 games. Only Bullet Rogan, who won 257 of the 369 games he was involved in, had a higher winning percentage than Vic Harris. And only nine other managers have won over 60% of their games in the history of this game. And yet Vic Harris is not in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. That is interesting. And and of course, I understand the nature of these Hall of Fame votes. And we knew in 2022, the likelihood was that we would get one, maybe two players in. And of course, that was Buck O'Neill and Bud Fowler, the first man to be essentially born in Cooperstown, to be inducted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. I am still very hopeful that the next time that Negro League players are back on the ballot, that the likes of John Donaldson, who certainly deserves to be in the National Baseball Hall of Fame, and we've talked about Donaldson on this program, one of the greatest pitchers of all time. And of course, Victor, Vic, Vicious Harris will also finally get across that threshold to take his rightful place in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. You will be hard-pressed to find anyone who was a better baseball player and a better manager, the combination of the two, than Vic Harris. He is one of those unheralded stars of the Negro Leagues. And it's through platforms like Black Diamonds that we get to kind of 
help knock some of the, I guess, lack of shine off of his star. And, and I hope throughout the midst of these kinds of conversations that those who are listening to Black Diamonds will go on and research a little bit more about the likes of Vic Harris. Seven pennants and two championships as a manager. Hit for 305 lifetime. And, and was the heart and soul of some of those great Homestead Grays teams that were star-studded. The tenaciousness, the mindset, the determination, the drive to win and to win no matter how winning became possible. Vic Harris had a little bit of Ty Cobb in him because Vic Harris was going to try and beat you at all costs. As some of the players would say, he cut you in a heartbeat if that's what it took for him to help win the ball game. No matter how you might look at that tenaciousness, uh, it is what drove Vic Harris and the competitive spirit that makes Vic Harris one of the greatest managers that you likely never heard of, maybe until now. Coming up next, in my opinion, one of the most important men in Major League Baseball history, a guy who bridges the legacy of Vic Harris and other players from the Negro Leagues and one who carries that spirit in his heart. And now he's a World Series champion winning manager. He won a World Series as a player and he knew both Satchel Paige and Henry Aaron. That's a pretty impressive career in his own right We'll come back and talk to the great Dusty Baker. Help continue the legacy of Hall of Famer Buck O'Neill by visiting thanksamillionbuck.com. With one million donations of just a single buck or more, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum can move closer to completion of the Buck O'Neill Education and Research Center on the historic site of the Paseo YMCA, where the Negro Leagues were born in 1920. We'll teach not only the stories of Negro Leagues baseball, but also math and science through the lens of baseball history in the spirit of baseball's greatest ambassador, Buck O'Neill. Log on to thanksamillionbuck.com and donate today. Every buck counts. Well, I am absolutely thrilled to welcome back to Black Diamond someone who is no stranger to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And the last time we had him, we talked really extensively about his relationship with the late, great Henry Aaron, uh, someone who I absolutely admired and loved. This time, however, we're going to try to get him to talk a little bit about himself because it is World Series winning manager Dusty Baker joining me on Black Diamond. Skipper, how are you? I'm doing fine. I just um, trying to get my club together and uh, try to repeat. And uh, I just got to talk about Black Diamonds. I just got off the, the phone with my partner, Dave Stewart. You know, yes. from New York. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's always great when you talk to former teammates or, you know, guys that you played with and admire and, and still remain friends after you played. Yeah, no, and Stu is doing some great work, Dusty, with our effort to try and bring Major League Baseball, an expansion Major League Baseball team to Nashville, and the team exactly. would be called the Nashville Stars after the old former Negro League. Well, that's team. what we were talking about. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I didn't tell Stu that I was going to be on with you. Okay. So that was the Negro League 
uh, 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 team's name, huh? Yeah, that was the team for from the Beautiful. old Negro Leagues that yeah. that this Major League team, if and when, I'm going to try to speak it in existence, when it happens, mm-hmm. it would be mm-hmm. the first time ever that a Major League team would carry the name of a Negro League team. Man, I am so pulling for that. So thank yeah. you, thank you. Yeah, thank no, you. We're, we're excited. But, you know, again, let me probably be the, I'm going to guess the one millionth person to congratulate you. Oh. <laughs> well, hey man, I'm a, it, hey, my world is uh is quite pleasant at the moment and uh well it's been it's, I've had a great life and uh been around some great people, you know, that 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 greatly influence uh me to help hopefully that I can influence, you know, some other young people, you know, to yeah. excellence and I was at a uh, I was at an affair last night and uh one of the coaches there he was telling me how how uh, us winning last year really excited some of the young people to to get uh, back involved with baseball. And, and you don't even think about, you know, the impact that you may have on others or the impact you have on young people until somebody tells you that. And it's like, wow, I mean, you don't really realize how many people are watching you and pulling for you until it actually happens and uh i'm just glad that it happened now i'm going for number two yeah no man it's it's exciting and i i was in wilmington north carolina mm-hmm. uh, for the willie stargell invitation oh, golf yeah. tournament when when you guys wrapped up the world series and, and so they had a they had their gala that night and all the guys were trying to huddle around the TV. So we were sneaking in and out of the gala to kind of get to the TV to try and watch and see what, what the Strohs were doing. And, and we were all gathered around the, t- the TV when Yardon hit that shot. I mean, it was a shot, too. And, and, and yes. so it was everybody. It was all these brothers around the TV. And, and, so <laughs> and you know something? I mean, I'm glad it happened when Willie... I didn't realize that, but you know, Willie Stargell was, was perhaps the finest man that I've ever met. And, uh, uh, you know, one of the best hearts of all time. And see, you never hear anything about his name, you know, uh, because he kept the city of Pittsburgh together. He yeah. kept the, you know, he kept the Pittsburgh Pirates together. He kept us together all over the league. And, uh, you know, whether you're on Willie's team or against Willie, um, you know, it was the same and, uh, pops was, he was everybody's pops. And, you know, um, I have a picture of him on my wall, me and him cutting it up. And I, I even have one of his stars, you know, and, uh, you know, pinned on the, on the picture and, uh, man, I've missed Willie, but, but I'm so glad you brought his name up because very rarely do I hear anybody talk about big Willie stars. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't had many regrets in this, in this work that I've been involved in through the Negro Leagues Museum and baseball in general, two regrets for me. I did not get to meet Satchel Paige, and I know you mm-hmm. had that opportunity, and yes. I did not get to meet Willie Starzer because he was someone oh. that I always admired from afar. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, sir. And, and you never hear a disparaging word about Pops. Never. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. And, and, but you know what? The same can be said for you, man. No one ever has anything bad to say about Dusty Baker. Well, that's okay. Uh, they got some. They got a few. You know what I mean? But I don't, but I don't worry about them. You know what I no, mean? No, so, no. Yeah. we can't worry about it. And, and no. so, you know, my, my question for you, what has life been like since winning the World Series? Well, you know, a lot of people, 
I got real smart over the winter. The <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people, you know, request your time. And yes. uh, that's, that's the one thing that you wish you had more of because uh, you really have to watch, watch your energy level, especially for a guy that, you know, that had a stroke six, seven years, eight years ago and had prostate cancer 20 years ago. You know, you have to kind of be um, for the people, uh, giving to the people, but you got to also be kind of selfish a little bit with your time and, and rest or else you're not going to be here for, exactly. you, know, for my, you know, for my family and, exactly. and, uh, you know, my grand, I got two grandsons, one a, a year old and one three years old. So, uh, you know, it was a very quick winter, but, uh, I got a lot of requests, but, uh, you know, when you're gone eight months from the house, um, you, you know, you're just happy to stay home. Yeah. And so, uh, but so, but it, like I said, it was, it was a great ride. You know, there's three winners in a row where we've had short winners. The winter before that we were in the, in the world series and the winter before that, uh, uh we were like two games away from going to the world series. So hopefully this will be a short winter here. <laughs> I'd like to go to that world series and win it again. Cause I always thought in my mind, I told a lot of people that, you know, if we win one, I want to win two, but you got to win one first. So oh, you got to win I, one. You got to win yeah. one first. You got to yeah, win one I, first. We already did that. I mean, with the, uh, I'm telling you, I, I got a great bunch of guys here, uh, guys that believe in each other, guys that believe in me. I believe in them and and the city. You know, the city rallied around us because you know we were scorned all over America. Oh yeah, and uh, you know there were people that they used to tell me, "Hey, man." I'm not pulling for the Astros. I'm pulling for you, but not the Astros. But I'm like, well, how you pull for me and not the Astros? <laughs> you know. But you know, I mean, this this one was really, really sweet. You know, for the city because I've never seen a parade so with so many people, so much uh, exuberance and and exhilaration, and also people were were kind to each other. That's uh, in the streets. I mean, this is what I was most imp- and, and impressed with uh, on how how kind everybody was to each other uh, and all the races came together at least for a few days, yeah. to, to, you know, to make things right. Hey man, and and that, that's the beauty of sport and that's the beauty of winning. It just yes, it it unite people in ways that very few things in our society does. You know, we just had a parade not too long ago here in Kansas city with the Kansas city chiefs. And, yep. and it was a beautiful thing. Now I watched it on TV. That's I'm not going to lie. I didn't go. I didn't mm-hmm. go because it was too many people for me. So unless Ooh. I was actually going to be riding in some of the parade vehicles, I didn't want nothing to do with it. But it's exciting. And I remember what it was like here for Kansas City in 2014 and 2015. Mm-hmm. 14, we lost the World Series. 15, we make an improbable run and win the World Series. And this city went nuts. It went nuts. And so there's nothing like professional sports and winning professional sports. And it was a beautiful thing to see you guys get a chance to celebrate, particularly after all the things the organization had gone through. One question I want to pose to you. You know, so for that question, you know, I went to a fundraiser last night for, for used to be a kid, now he's 50 years old. And he's running for a district seven uh, uh, councilman of of, of Palm Beach County. Uh And so, he was one of the, the, the families that Ralph Gar and I uh, hung out with that was a host family. He was five years old when they went and rent to us here in West Palm Beach, Florida for spring oh, wow. training. 
Wow. And name is yeah, name is Richard Riles. And Richard had turned me on to this. Uh, he had this young man call me named Terry Braden Jr. And so at this fundraiser, Terry Braden Jr. came up to me and uh, and, he, and he thanked me. And he put uh, he's the assistant defensive line coach with the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> and and he and he and he put the coach on the line, uh, Andy Reid. And uh, man, that was a I mean that was a thrill for me to see this young man go from you know high school coach to 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 the champion of the NFL. Yeah, no, it, it, it's been amazing. And, and of course, we got a young quarterback who says he patterns his game after Satchel Paige. You know, his Ooh. father, his father Pat Mahomes. Yeah. Told him all about Satchel and the arm angles and everything that really? Satchel did. And young Patrick says he tries to add some of that same kind of charisma and arm yeah. angles, and he can sling it, Dusty. He can oh, flat I, out I, sling I'll it. Watch him. I was pulling for him. I mean, I, <laughs> watch him. I mean, it was hard pulling against you know uh, 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 Philadelphia, and and you know they had a black quarterback too. But I was pulling for for Mahomes because his his uh. His godfather, uh, Latroy Hawkins, yes, used to yes. play for me. Yes, and so and so it's hard to pull against Mahomes. I, I, and I'm I was so happy for him and happy Randy Reed at the same time. Yeah, no, Coach Reed is an amazing human being, man. We're so thrilled that he's had such a long stay here in Kansas City. Uh, yeah. the, the what Chiefs were you going to ask me? What were you going to ask me? Now, before now I you, you 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 had it now on both sides. You won a World Series in 1981. Yeah, as a player, and uh -huh. now you won a World Series in 2022 as a manager. Yeah. Which feels better? Well, the first one felt pretty good. I'm, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie to you, you know, as a player. But um, you know, after the struggles or, or us getting not really struggles, us getting super close a bunch of times, I think this one feels better because this one took took longer to get. Yeah, and uh, and we were we were close a bunch of times, and I think this one took a lot more perseverance, uh, and and it's actually harder as a manager because you don't, I mean, you don't have the same direct, um, um, uh, what's the word, the same direct uh, um, responsibility as uh, and or impact on the game as a manager as you did a player. Yeah. You know, the player, I could hit a home run and throw a guy out or whatever it was, and I'd have a direct impact on the on the game. But as a manager, I'm 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 relying on on my personnel, you know, to have a direct impact on the game. And all you can do really is kind of put guys in a in a situation where you hope that they will most likely succeed. And and if they do, uh you're a hero. And if they don't, then, uh, you know, why'd you put him in or how come you didn't take him <laughs> out, you know, but I mean, it's, it, it's great. You know, I have a world series trophy at home. You know, they used to give us a replica back in the day when you won uh -huh. and, and they gave everybody one. Well, I don't know when they stopped this, but, uh, this replica, I had to buy it. You know what I mean? For $30,000. <laughs> and so now I got twin, I, I have twin replica as well. The twins coming, you know, uh, uh, you know, the big, the big, uh, trophy must be pregnant with the, with the twin that's coming, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? So, so I'm looking forward to, you know, putting that twin in my trophy case, giving my, uh, um, someday, 
you know, giving my first World Series uh, trophy to my daughter because my daughter, uh, you know, was very young at the time. Uh, so I think she was uh, two years old. And then I'd give the second one, you know, to my son or grandsons if they want. Yeah, no, that, that that is so cool, though. That is so cool, to, you know, to, to win it as a player and then to win it as a manager. Obviously, you've had a great run in this sport for quite some time and, and your impact. And I don't know if you ever think about your legacy. You know, I know you're still in the middle of it. So you, you probably haven't had time to think about your legacy, but man, you're leaving a tremendously, a tremendous legacy in this sport. I mean, you connect, you think about this, Dusty. What I mentioned earlier, you connected from Satchel Page to Henry Aaron, you know, and, and to the contemporary guys of this day. That, yep, to, that, to Barry Bonds, to, to Barry, yeah, you know, yes. you know, Ken Griffey Jr. to Joey Votto. I mean, man, I mean, to Jose Altuve. I mean, you, yeah, I, I don't think about it until you know, until you bring it up to tell you the truth. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I have been around a long time, and and I've seen a, I've seen, a, I mean, some great players, and hopefully, I've had a a, a positive effect on. On most, hopefully. Yeah, no, that, that's pretty cool. From Karen Satchel Page's fishing poles yeah. to lifting up a championship <laughs> trophy. That's yeah, pretty that's right. doggone special, man. You know, whenever I go to the museum, I mean, that's that's the thing that amazes me the most is to see the statues on the baseball field in there. And, uh, you know, when I think about, you know, Buck O'Neill, I got his yeah. pictures on the wall, and I think about you know, I, I have uh, some pictures of uh, Cool Papa Bell, and I have pictures of Josh Gibson, and and of course, you know how many how many photos I have of Hank Aaron. Yeah, of course. Uh, but but uh, I'm telling you, Bobby, that's like walking back through time. Even though I didn't play with most of them, uh, I feel their spirit more than anything when I, you know, when I'm in there. And they and sometimes I talk to them. And sometimes they give me strength because, man, when, you know, you're one of the few. Uh, uh, black uh, uh, player or manager in authority. I mean, you got to pray for strength sometimes because yeah, it's you like, do. I mean, you people shooting at you all the time and they're yeah. shooting at you with negative Buddhas. They, I mean, they're not they're not shooting at you with positives. And yeah. So um, you know, I, I thank you for what you've done there and 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 the and the strength that you guys uh, you know have given me. Well, I, I tell you what, it, it's inspiring on both sides, man. I, you know, all of us, your Negro Leagues Baseball Museum family are tremendously proud of, of what you have accomplished throughout your career. And, and you mentioned something, and, and I, I, I'm curious to know, did you talk to either Dave Roberts or Cito Gaston since, since winning the World Series? Yes. Yes, I've talked to both of them. Yeah. And uh, I, I talk, and Cito, I told Cito, because Cito was there the day when I first started, uh, I was with the Austin Braves and we played in Little Rock, Arkansas. I was 18 years old and I dropped the first fly ball hit to me and Ralph Gar wasn't left. He was a rookie out of Grambling and he's my roommate. And, and, uh, man, they started calling me a bunch of names and I wanted to quit. And Cito told me, Hey, you know, hang with me. And, uh, you know, we've been tight ever since. And I told Cito one of the, one of the things that motivated me, to come back for another year was to try to match Cito on back-to-back, um, <clears throat> you know, back-to-back championships. Yes. And, and uh, you know, he's very rarely do they mention 
No. Uh, he, he, I mean, no. Cito Gaston. And no. then I talked to Dave Roberts also at the winter meetings, and we're trying to arrange for for us to, you know, to uh, to get together at some point in time to take a photo, because I have a photo at home with me and Cito and um, uh, Don Baylor uh, uh, in uniform. And, uh-huh. uh, and, and one of my first... Uh, manager's cards from tops is Cito and I together. And when I first started and he was with Toronto and I told Cito, I mean, we don't play, you know, he lives in Tampa. Uh, no, in, in that Dunedin area. And, you know, I think we go to Toronto, but Dave's not going to be there at the same time. We'll be there, but we're going to try to arrange someplace for us to take a, you know, to take a photo together. Cause uh, you know, a lot of my partners are passing on, man. Yeah. got to do it. We got to do some of this stuff before, before it's too late, you know? Well, let me let me raise my hand right now and say, we would love to have all three of you guys gathered here at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, the only three African-American managers to ever win the World Series here at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum would be pretty doggone special and, yeah. and would be something that we would absolutely love to see happen you know, we honored Cito a few years ago with Jackie Robinson Lifetime Achievement Award. And Dave and the Dodgers were in town last year, and he got an opportunity to come by the museum. And Well, you know, I'll see you there. Of course, of course. And you always make the you always make the visit here to the museum, which we so much appreciate. And you always bring guys with you. Right. And that's I got something. A question. I, got, I got a question, Mr. Kendrick. Uh-huh. What? Because I, I can never think of, 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 of the famous uh, black manager from the Negro League that, 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 that won more games than anybody. Who's the, who's the manager? Because um, I know who the general manager is. The general manager has, a, you know, always got a cap on in a, in a, with a coat and tie. He's kind of a, a, a hefty, strong brother. Okay, who was the who's the most famous manager in the Negro League? It, 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 it was a couple. It, it probably was Rube Foster, though. That's him. Yeah, that's that him. was Rube that's Foster. Yeah, yep. Rube, Rube is not too. Rube was from Calvert, Texas, not too far from Houston. Really? Yeah, from Calvert, Texas. Rube Foster, Andrew Rube Foster, uh, founded the Negro Leagues. Was a Dusty. He's that rare player that would have gone in the Hall of Fame as a player, as a manager, and as yes. an executive. Oh, yeah, yeah, all three. All three. Right. Yeah, no, Rube, Rube was special, man. And, and, and again, that's the side that a lot of people don't talk to about. There were all uh-huh. these brilliant black minds from the Negro League that didn't get a chance to transition into Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the thing that Buck O'Neill would often talk about. He was the first black coach in Major League Baseball in 1962, right. 15 years after Jackie breaks the color barrier. And mm-hmm. Buck says, I wish I was the, you know, 1,999,000 black coach at that time because he knew all these great black minds who, as he would say, was more than capable of waving a guy home who never mm-hmm. got the opportunity. And so this is about opportunity. And, yeah, and, see, and I, have, I have a picture on my wall with, with, with Buck Ernie Banks and Lou Brock when they was all when they was all on the cuz before they traded Lou to to St. Louis. So you know there are no shortage of Buck O'Neill stories and I'll and Dusty, I, I always delight in telling them 
uh, is special. And, and what you accomplished is very special. I want to ask you about Jordan Alvarez. Mm-hmm. And someone asked me, who would I think he compared to in the Negro Leagues? And this is, a, mm. this is an amazing young man, uh, powerful. Uh, but the player that I think he reminds me of from the Negro Leagues was a player named George Suttles. His nickname was Mule. Mm. The really? great Mule Suttles. Mule I'm going to tell him that. I'm going to tell him that tomorrow. I know he's not going to know because I didn't. No, no, he won't know. He won't know Mule. And Mule is in so the So what's his name? Ball. George? George? Uh, George and her Suttles. S-U-T-T-L-E-S. And, but his nickname was Mule because mm-hmm. he, he was strong as a mule. And was he left-handed too? Now, the only difference was Mule hit right-handed. He uh-huh. hit him through right-handed. But Mule was about 6'4", weighed about 215, 220. Well, well, that's him. And Dusty, he swung a 50-ounce bat. Oh, come on. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm writing that down. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to tell him. Because, see, he got a big bat that he swings as 40-something in practice. Yes, yes. And, and and all the guys on our team are amazed that he can swing it. Can swing that thing? Uh, yeah, can swing it. But I'm going to tell him, hey, man, you ain't doing nothing. He ain't doing nothing? He, he, no, no, he I'm going to say, hey, man, there's a cat named Mule. That's why I got 50. He's part a 50 ounce bat, and they have his bat card at Louisville Slugger Museum because he ordered his bats from Louisville Slugger Museum. Oh, yeah. And they is, he in the, is he in the Hall of Fame? He is in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh-huh. Oh, He's wow. in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He hit one. He hit one in Havana Tropical Park in Cuba, Dusty. Mm-hmm. The center field fence was about 60 feet high and about 500 feet from home plate. He wow. hit one. They said it went over the head of the soldiers who were the security guard. They on horseback. Wow. And he hit it over them. It landed about 600 feet away. And, and when, well, he came, when he came to the plate, all the fans would say, kick mule, kick mule. Kick mule, kick. <laughs> I, I'm, hey, I will, tell, I will tell him that tomorrow. And, 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 you know, his daddy was a heck of a player. Oh, is that right? Uh, oh, yeah, you're Dan. So I'm going to tell him, if, if your dad don't know, your Don don't know, I'm sure his dad knows. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Yeah. As a leader of men, what did it feel like for you? And you mentioned it, we referenced just a little bit. Uh, you talked about, we talked about Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts. What did that mean to you to see two African-American quarterbacks? Oh, it was great. In a Super yeah, Bowl? Yeah, I mean, it was great. And I like, I love Jalen Hurts too. I mean, you know, everything that he's been through, you know, to get to that point. And, yes. you know, it meant a lot because as a kid, you know, you're, uh, you know, we were told that, you know, if you were, because I was a quarterback, but, but, uh, in high school and then they moved me to running back, but see, they didn't, they, I mean, that was a position that was a thinking man's position. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. when we were coming up, you couldn't be the center, middle linebacker, strong safety, uh, quarterback, you know, they make you a running back or make you a wide receiver or, 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 or a cornerback, you know? And so, I mean, that. I, you know, I know Shaq Harris. I know many, many black quarterbacks that that, that have come along uh, the way. But this was this is the first time. I mean, this was this this made us all feel proud. And uh, when I look at both of them, 
I'm I, I loving the fact that that they're playing football and that they're quarterbacks. But I always try to think where would they play in baseball? Cause I'm sure that they could play somewhere in baseball. And, oh yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, I always think about, man, we need to keep some of these athletes in, in, in baseball. baseball. Yeah, you know, absolutely. when I think, you know, when I look, I remember one day watching the basketball game and I first thing came to my mind about Allen Iverson. I said this, I bet this little sucker could, put, could play, be a heck of a shortstop. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know, you know, I'm trying to play some of these guys, you know, in baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and see, once upon a time, that the Negro Leagues were getting that athlete. That's the Mm -hmm. athlete that came to the Negro League. They could have played anything, but you know, when and that's why when I talk about the players from Negro League, Dustin, I describe them as some of the greatest athletes to ever play baseball. Yeah, they could have. Yeah, they could ever play baseball. And, and, and so it, it's really interesting. And, and just a couple more quick questions I got. And I'm going to let you go and enjoy some time to yourself while you got some time to yourself. Dana Brown. Mm-hmm. He's, he's your new GM. And this is only the second time in Major League Baseball history that you have an African-American GM and an African-American manager. The first time, of course, it, it was Jerry Manuel and, and Kenny Williams over at the White Sox. And now you get the, the I hope the pleasure uh, of working with Dana. Uh, how have how how have your relationship been? Did you know him prior to him coming to the Astros? Well, I had met him a couple of times. Actually, I met him at the Buck O'Neill probably five six years ago. And you know, when he knows everybody that I know, and uh, you know, I was pulling for him. I mean, you know, I remember when Kenny and Jerry Manuel, my homeboy from Sacramento. You know, we're in Chicago there at the same time I was in Chicago. Yes. So, uh, I mean, so uh, Dana's paid his dues. You know, he, he played. He played in college. Uh, I think he played with the Phillies. He scouted. I mean, he's done about everything there is to do. And I'm glad he got his opportunity. And, um, you know, he's inherited a good team that, you know, he's trying to, you know, keep it together. Uh, uh, you know, he, he, you know, we're challenged, uh, you know, with a good team because of the salary structure. You know, yeah. uh, uh, I mean, because after a while, you know, you can't pay everybody, but the fans are are, are spoiled to the point of that we want to win, and 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 the hard part is is to determine who to pay and who not to pay, or you know, you're drafting low, or who do you trade, or whatever. So I think Dana's the the perfect man for this job because he knows every aspect of this game. Well, that 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 is outstanding, and and I certainly want to congratulate him. Uh, on getting that new role and and hoping he has tremendous success in that role. One final question. How do you avoid that World Series hangover? Because you talked about it earlier. Everybody wants a piece of not only you, but I'm sure all your players, as Buck O'Neill would say, you're the toast of the town. Everybody wants to invite you to dinner and and everybody wants a piece of you. How do you avoid that World Series hangover and what have you shared with your team about trying to get re-energized to do to go over the long haul to try and go back and win it again? Well, you know, Bob, this is a different group of guys. I mean, these guys expect to win. And, uh, you know, they, they come to the ballpark every day. I really haven't expressed that to them about the World Series hangover, number one, you don't have to be hungover. You know what I mean? You gotta, you, that's number one. Number two is 
you know, like you got to take care of yourself. You got to, you got to get your rest. Um, um, you got to eat right, think right. And, 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 and only call upon last year, uh, when things are going poorly, you know, you have to call upon it. I mean, you get in a slump, but it's like, okay, boys, remember that we're the champs, but you can't just think about being the champs and throw your glove out there and expect somebody to be afraid of you or, or to just roll over and let you beat them. Because, you know, when you look at things, especially in our division, Anaheim's got better. Texas has gotten better. Um, now Seattle has gotten a whole lot better. And so you're, you know, you're, you're looking and playing teams that, that you know that are coming after you every day. You bring day. out the best every day, yeah. And 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 that's the secret is that hey man, they have they have uh, uh, every day we go out there, no matter who we play. Because I was a member when I was on the Braves. You know, I'd play the Dodgers and the good teams, and man, I would try to show out so they would come get me, hopefully, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and rescue me, which they did. You know, it, and 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 it worked. And uh, uh, you know, that's the main thing. And, and and we have to stay healthy. You know, if you stay healthy, we got you know we got action. And like I said, you can't rest on your laurels. You got to realize, man, that they're gonna come at you every day, and 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 you have to play accordingly. Yeah, no, that's what Buck O'Neill oftentimes said. And, and and I see so many similar traits in you all style, you and Buck. And, and, and the things that I've heard about as Buck as a manager and the things that I see and how you relate to your players and, and strategy-wise and the whole nine yards, there seems to be some tremendous similarities between you and Buck. But what Buck always said, he said the Monarch Dusty were always a good team, always. That's right, that's right. And when Satchel was on the mound, they were a great team. Mm-hmm. What what Satchel did was Satchel brought out the greatness on the other team because they wanted to make their mark. If you beat Satchel Page, That's you right. have done something. And, and I and I see that everybody's gonna give you their best shot every oh, time yeah. you ride in the town. That's right. Well, that's fine with me. Let's get it on. Let's man. get it on. <laughs> Yes, sir, Dusty, man. I want to thank you again for taking time out to be with me. And I can't wait to see you when you get here to Kansas City. But congratulations on the World Series title. Best of luck in this upcoming season. Uh, And we look forward to uh, seeing you at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Thank you, sir. Mr. Kendrick, thank you. Black Diamonds is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network and is hosted by me, Bob Kendrick, with additional voiceovers provided by Donnie Samuels. If you've enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Serious XM Podcasts.